This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, July the 28th. Hope you're okay. We're going to start off today with an update on our top story from Tuesday. And officials have now confirmed that a Tunbridge man who was killed by a rotating helicopter blade in Greece was not taking a selfie at the time. 22-year-old Jack Fenton's friends and family have criticised reports, suggesting he wasn't being careful enough. In fact, his sister Daisy has revealed it was Jack's first time travelling in a helicopter and she's described claims that he ran towards the aircraft and ignored protocols as rubbish. Well, investigators have spoken to local media in Greece. This is what they've said. It does not appear from anywhere that the young man wanted to take a selfie. What is reported is that the 22-year-old was holding a mobile phone and had it to his ear, but it has not yet been clarified whether he was talking. Jack was hit after getting out of the helicopter in Athens on Monday following a trip to Mykonos with friends. Investigators are now recommending changes to safety rules to prevent another accident. Meantime, the head teacher of Sutton Valence, where Jack went to school, has paid tribute, saying Jack was a very popular member of the community and we have sent our condolences to the family. Our thoughts and prayers are with all those affected by the incident. Kent Online News. A man's been flown to a London hospital after being stabbed in Gravesend. The air ambulance landed in Mayfield Grammar School yesterday afternoon after a man turned up with a knife wound at a nearby community hospital. A person who knows the victim has has been arrested. Two police officers and a former constable have gone on trial today, accused of sharing offensive WhatsApp messages with the Kent man who killed Sarah Everard. Now the three allegedly posted messages on a group chat with former Met officer Wayne Cousins from Deal between April and August 2019. Cousins is serving a whole life term for murdering 33-year-old Sarah after abducting her from a street in London in March last year. A man who runs a popular boot fair in Medway says there'll be huge disappointment if it's forced to be cancelled due to travellers. A group allegedly broke onto the land near Upner on Tuesday night and have been given until midday tomorrow to leave. Mark Greenfield rents a site which is due to host a boot fair this weekend. Tuesday night I got a phone call from one of the residents in Upner and um, he said uh, probably about half past seven and said, Travellers have um, moved the concrete bollards away from uh, my gate. So me and my wife um, went straight over there and um, they was in the field. They was in the field. So I went straight over to the, uh, to the Irish travellers to say, look, I don't want you on my field. Last night um, I spoke to an inspector Skulls and uh, trying to get this section 61 put in place, which has been put in place before on the field. Um, he in turn took it all on board and said, yeah, uh, um, I'm going to pass this on to an inspector Foster and she will contact you in the morning, which she did. And uh, she said, yep, it meets the criteria of a section 61 and which means that they can get the travellers off within 24 hours. A, because it's a business, um, B, because it's a private field and C, because there's a, a public right of way. So um, the Irish travellers, they, they, they knew 
they knew um, the section 61 and they tried arguing with the police saying you can't do this you can't do that and uh, the police said well if you're not going by 12 o'clock tomorrow Mr Greenfield has asked you to leave by 12 o'clock we will put the section 61 in place and um, we will start removing your caravans you know the rules so um, they didn't like it basically but uh, it is what it is you know um, so that's it so now we're waiting till 12 o'clock tomorrow uh, to see if they've gone and then the police will take the law into their hands well of course it will affect my business I mean sort of it's 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 important we only we only do the boot fairs through the summer summer season and um, you know we've had the trouble with COVID so yeah it's 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 a it's a chunk of revenue for me if um, if we don't go ahead and it's a massive disappointment for all the people the stallholders and all the public who do turn up to our popular boot fair it, it's uh, yeah it'd be, it'd be it'd be shocking it'd be shocking you know so um you know that just a small group of travelers can interfere so 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 much I mean the the tennis court at the exit gate of uh, our boot fair they they had um, 80 students um, tennis students yesterday where they've closed shop. Now police have said unauthorised encampments are in fact a civil matter initially while a spokesman for Medway Council said it is down to the landowner to move the camp on. We can see pictures of the site by heading to the story at Kent Online. We will keep you updated. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A man's been charged with firearms offences after police were called to a property in Dover. The 36-year-old was arrested in the Folkestone Road area of the town on Monday. He's been remanded in custody and is due at Crown Court at the end of next month. Now, it's estimated more than 420 online child abuse crimes are happening here in the southeast every month that the new online safety bill is delayed. Shocking statistics there and figures from the NSPCC show about 1,900 offences were recorded in Kent alone in the year to March. When new laws to protect youngsters from harmful content have been put on hold because of the Conservative leadership contest. Rich Pollard is from the NSPCC. There are things that can be done to strengthen it, to make sure that companies are incentivised to work together, to tackle abuse and to give children a real voice in the new regulatory regime. But ultimately, we need to pass this bill as soon as possible. Fake cigarettes, clothes and furniture have been seized from a boot fair in Swanley. More than 1,500 counterfeit items were found by officers at the Pedham Place event. If they were genuine, they would have been worth more than half a million pounds. A Medway mum fears her daughter could spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair after a number of medical appointments were cancelled during COVID. Hallie was born back in March 2019 and found to have congenital muscular dystrophy. That's something that affects muscle strength and tone. Now, despite being able to sit on her own by the age of eight months and stand up at the age of 10 months, the toddler from Gillingham is now struggling to be mobile. Rachel Swaddling is Hallie's mum and she's been speaking to our reporter, Nicola Jordan. If it was about me, I wouldn't be so bothered. But this is my daughter and her mobility and... You know, the way that the way of life that that she would never know eventually because, because I'm now her arms and her legs. You know, she, she can't she cannot mobilize for herself at all. The most, the, the most that Hallie can do by herself is, is sit up now. What sort of concrete diagnosis have you had so far to date, Rachel? When it comes to her mobility, we've had no diagnosis whatsoever, no solid 
diagnosis is. However, we have had the diagnosis of hypotonia. Um, but again, um, this is where I feel let down again, is where no one's really explained to me what the what 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 happened with hypotonia, like what what will happen to Hallie as she's as she goes through this. Um, I've and as a disabled child, I've not been made aware of what help is available to me. I've had to do all of that research by myself and it's been absolutely the hardest thing, the hardest part of all of this is trying to find help and trying to find someone that will help me. If you had to blame anyone, Rachel, who would you blame? The whole NHS departments. There's not been one single person that we have been able to rely on, unfortunately. Do you think it might have been a, a different scenario had you had you been seen earlier? Absolutely. I'm convinced that if we had been able to be seen earlier and they would have seen for themselves how, how progressive whatever is going on with Hallie has gotten worse, um, I believe that if we'd had had these MRIs and these scans and these blood tests and these genetic tests sooner, then something could have been done about it. And with Hallie, there are numerous conditions uh, involved here, aren't there? Absolutely, yeah. Um, like, I've got in front of me um, one of Hallie's recent um, letters from one of the doctors, and we've got we've got this as background. So this is from the paediatrician. We've got motor regression, gross motor and delay speech, absent deep tendon reflexes. Thank you. Hypotonia, duodenal atresia, which was corrected by surgery after birth, congenital bilateral deformity of big toes on both feet, uh, pectus, charismatim which is uh, Hallie's pigeon chest Hallie's got a very large protruded um, pigeon chest now because of her they said that it's because of her um, her posture um, and then we've got chronic constipation um, double uvula which is the dangly bit at the back of the throat um, left con convergent squint um, and then we've got as number 10, we've got abnormal cerebellum from MRI. So it's just, it's an ongoing list. Every time we get a new one, there seems to be something new on it. So what, what action, if any, are you taking now? I want our voices to be heard because I do not want any more people to sit and dismiss us. I want answers for my daughter and for the reason for her deterioration in health. I want answers as to how they will help her. We do thank Rachel ever so much for sharing her story. While we've been in touch with the Evelina Hospital in London, they have apologised and say that they are now working with Hallie's family on how to manage her condition. Kent Online reports. We're being warned to expect more disruption at Dover and Folkestone this weekend as the summer holidays continue. Highways bosses say cross-channel ferries and the Eurotunnel are likely to be extremely busy. Last week's chaos was caused by delays at board Border control with some queues continuing over the last few days. Investigators have been unable to find the cause of a huge fire between Maidstone and Ashford. 50 acres of land went up in flames on Lenham Heath on Sunday afternoon. A farmer's been praised for using a tractor to cut the crops, stopping it from spreading to nearby homes. 
A new bit of tech has been installed off the coast of Kent to check what the water quality is like for anyone going swimming in the sea. If it all goes to plan, the device will test the water every few minutes and the results will be displayed online. So you'd know whether the water was clean enough for you to go in before you'd even left home. Well, I've been chatting about it to Nick Mills, who's from Southern Water. For a long time, water quality has been something that, particularly sampling for coliforms, requires a lab sample to be taken which often takes several days to come back as a result. So a lot of people are unhappy with that. Uh, They want to know what the water quality is as they get in. So we've been looking at the market and there's a new bit of kit on the market that allows us to measure that in real time. So it's an instrument that actually sits in the water and takes a, a measurement every five, 15 minutes, depending on how we set it up. And that measures via a proxy uh, for a number of smart sensors at the end of it. Um, the actual uh, quality of the water and can then uh, ascertain the coliform content and therefore the risk to swimmers. So it's a new bit of kit. It hasn't been deployed in this sort of uh, context before. So we are piloting it and trialing it. We're not we're not saying this is the future just yet, but we're going to give it a good go and working with the council, universities uh, and the technology provider over the next 12 months. We should see how well it performs. As you say, a year-long trial. Do you want to tell us specifically where it's going to be? We're actually deploying uh, two of them. One is in Kent, uh, and it's going just off the coast of Tankerton Beach. Obviously, very, very popular site for people wanting to swim. Can you tell us how the findings from this piece of technology, which I believe is fitted to a buoy that's out off off the coast, how will people who want to head to the beach get information on, on the readings before they get into the water? Will it be readily available to them? It it will be, but we do have to go through a calibration period first to make sure it it does everything that the manufacturer claims. Um, So we're in that process now. It's in the water and we've started taking a number of samples uh, and and verifying those against the readings from the instrument. Um, Exactly how long that will take will depend on the readings we get and and how many more samples we need to take. So it it, it depends, uh, but we're really hopeful this year, hopefully this bathing water season, we'll be able to release those results uh, in a a live portal that people will be able to log on to um, anywhere they are on a mobile phone or from a laptop or something like that. So that that will feature on our website and also uh, Canterbury Council's website as well so that that's the plan um, but we have to get through this calibration exercise first. Obviously water quality is incredibly important not just for swimmers going down there but for, for all the you know the businesses along the coast that rely on holiday makers and we know how dreadful a time they had last year when a lot of the beaches were, were shut. How much do you think this is a, a step forward and how positive could this be? I, I think it will really give us uh, some facts hopefully as it were if it works as well as we all hope it, it will give us facts about what is genuinely affecting water quality and what is not. At the moment, we are providing real-time information um, on the number of releases from storm overflows, but at the moment, that's a very binary service. It, it's just saying there has or there has not been an event. Many of those events, based on their duration or the tidal conditions, may have no impact whatsoever. Um, and certainly, that's some of the things that we're looking at is that this will allow us to enhance how that information is displayed. So we don't, we're not just always siding on 
uh, the side of caution and we can give accurate information about water quality, which is really what people want to know about. Absolutely. So perhaps in the past, a beach has been closed off when maybe it didn't need to be. And this will then enable you to say, no, the water is actually fine. You can carry on swimming. Yes. Um, but there's some of those examples you're talking about, pollution events, that's there are extreme events where something's gone wrong. Uh, there are storm overflow events that happen uh, because of the way the system is designed. It is a, a combined sewer system. It takes surface water from runoff. So during heavy rainfall, the system will, will release. So in those scenarios, um, we, we, we're suggesting this water quality boy could give us far more accurate information about what's happening and people can make more informed choices. And it's worth also mentioning that the, the sea is not a sterile environment. It's not, not a local swimming pool with, with lots of testing and chlorine in it. Uh, there are lots of other factors that could affect water quality. Um, you know, the way the beach is used by dog walkers, um, other 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 uh, releases or um, algae algae uh, algal blooms that are decaying. All these sorts of things can affect water quality, and the boy will just show you all of that data as well. So there may be events that aren't explained by our activities as well, which would hopefully allow us to understand uh, either council and the environment agency what's going on locally. Um, again, just more data. Um, we fully welcome interaction with local groups and, and we're encouraging citizen science for people to take more samples. Bosses in Canterbury are being accused of letting vandals win after removing benches from shelters. Now, the city council's taken the seats that were along Herne seafront away after the structures were smashed again. But it's left people struggling to find somewhere to sit. A spokesman for the council say they'll look at alternative locations for the benches instead. There's now a formal challenge against plans to cut 38 bus routes across Kent. The county Council say they need to save money, but the decisions led to anger from residents in rural communities in particular who rely on the services for school, work or shopping. The local Green Party is worried it'll lead to an increase in pollution as more cars will be on the roads instead. They're demanding it's considered by a scrutiny committee next month. Kent Online reports. Bosses at a Kent Wildlife Park are hoping to start a breeding programme for their new Indian rhino. A five-year-old male called Oris has arrived at Port Lim near Hythe after moving from a zoo in Switzerland. Well, Abby from our colleagues at KMTV has been along to Port Lim and has spoken to animal manager Richard Barnes. We've historically always been a rhino park. We've had Sumatran rhinos, we've had black rhinos, the critically endangered eastern black rhinos from Africa, and we've done really, really well with them. We've also recently got into southern white rhinos, and because we've never worked with the, the, the Indian rhino and we've done so well with the others, it, it, it made natural sense for us to try and get involved and, and help with the breeding programme for these also. Um, we've, we've bred over 40 black rhinos here at the park, so we've got a little bit of rhino expertise, so naturally it's hopefully going to be the same for, for these guys once we start a breeding programme with these. So it's really important to have the Indian rhinos here because although they're, they're now considered um, only vulnerable and not endangered anymore because of the numbers being boosted in the wild, at any point the numbers can, can go down down. Um, this can be through habitat destruction, poaching. Uh, of course, where the Indian rhinos come from, they live on very fertile farmland or land that wants to be turned into farmland. So there's always conflict with people in that area. And so although they're, they're kind of steady at the moment, there's always a chance that that population is just going to crash. And so we rely on captive populations to kind of help boost those numbers should we need to reintroduce any into those areas, that kind of thing. And I'm just interested about the process of getting him over here. How, how does that work? A lot of people 
might wonder how do you go about moving a rhino from Switzerland I believe he's come from yeah absolutely so yeah gone are the days when you're like walking elephants through the Alps like Hannibal did we now rely on animal transports big trucks big uh, kind of animal crates and the the team in Basel Zoo in Switzerland would have probably done the same as we do here they would have crate trained and um, for six weeks uh, before their, their transport so just getting him used to a crate going in and out of a box that kind of thing um, once he's in the box he knows that that's kind of ready for shipping then he'll get put onto a big truck and then the long journey by road will, will happen uh, I think he was on the road for just short of 24 hours and uh, he arrived at the ports of Dover got got cleared through customs and then arrived with us early in the morning and uh, he more or less walked straight out of the box a keeper accompanied him from his, his park so he knew um, someone when he when he got to the other end it's always better for an animal like a rhino that can be a little bit nervous and uh, he walked straight out the keeper walked up the corridor with him and he walked straight into a stool and and that was it it was a very very quiet very relaxed unloading really so yeah, that's all good elsewhere johnny depp has helped raise more than eleven thousand pounds for a kent animal charity after donating signed t-shirts the hollywood actor visited folly wildlife center near tunbridge wells last month and took a picture holding a badger the t-shirts are being auctioned off on ebay and a gravesend man with cerebral palsy has finally been given permission to take part in the virtual london marathon the rules have been changed so people no longer have to complete it within 24 hours. It means 29-year-old Patrick Barden, who uses a walker and needs regular breaks, will be able to cover the 26.2 miles over several days instead. Kent Online Sports. At Kent Online today, you can see the wonderful video of a Maidstone girl getting Alessia Russo's shirt after their Euro semi-final game. Nancy Richardson plays for Bearsted Rangers under 10s. The same team Russo was part of when she was younger. England beat Sweden 4-0 on Tuesday and we'll play Germany in the final at Wembley on Saturday. In tomorrow's podcast, we will be hearing from Alessia Russo's former head teacher and her former coach at Bearsted as well as we look ahead to the big game. The Commonwealth Games are getting underway in Birmingham today, but without Kent's Dina Asher-Smith. We told you yesterday how she'd been forced to withdraw because of a hamstring injury. Racewalker Tom Bosworth from Seven Oaks will be competing though, and it'll be his final games after announcing his retirement at the end of the season and Dartford's Adam Jamili will be hoping to put the disappointment of the World Championships behind him as he goes in the 200 metres. And finally today in tennis it looks like Kent's Emma Rajikanu has finally got a new coach. The 19-year-old from Orpington is understood to have teamed up with former Russian player Dmitry Tursunov. She'll be looking to defend her US Open title in September after struggling with a recent injury. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening and don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram you can also get access to the ad free kent online premium site to do it you need to subscribe just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe and whilst you're on the site today you can read our latest eat my words food review news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by the fg barnes group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.